If you would open your Bibles to the book of Genesis, and we're going to go to the 32nd chapter and the 22nd verse. And if you guys can put it in the NIV, I would appreciate it. You guys can follow along with whatever version you have, or you can, of course, follow along on the screen. Genesis uh, 32, verse 22. It says, That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven sons and crossed uh, the ford of whatever that is. And after he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. The man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and you have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called that place Peniel and saying, it is because I saw God's face and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel And he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Look at somebody next to you and let them know you're branded, not scarred. When you are dealing with the things related to God, many people struggle with understanding the transcendency of God as it relates to us as people. And so I want to read to you real quick, 1 Samuel 5, verse 1, and then I'll explain. 1 Samuel 5, verse 1. And the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer unto Ashdod. And when the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it unto the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. And when they of Ashdod arose early in the morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face of the earth, or face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. And then they took Dagon and set him in his place again. When they arose early on the morrow morning, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the ground before the ark of the Lord, and the head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were cut off upon the threshold. Only the stump of Dagon was left to him. Therefore, neither the priest of Dagon nor any that cometh into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod unto this day. The struggle with the things concerning God are typically related to the idea of his transcendency. Uh, In other words, that God is up there, out there. And we begin to view our lives in the light of he is out there somewhere. 
and that he in some way, shape, or form cares for us. Yet and still, the distance from God and the space of God uh, tends to lead us to believe that he may not always be watching every single thing. The nature of our God is very different than the nature of many other gods. In other words, God's presence rested in a wooden box. Yes, the wooden box was surrounded by gold, and yes, it was uh, uh, beautiful to look at, and it was, it was adorned for a specific purpose, and it was designed uh, specifically by God, but it was not a statue. If you've ever noticed, God has never allowed himself to be seen. He's never allowed anyone to make a facsimile of him. He's never allowed anyone to build a statue because no one knows what he looks like because he does not have the visage of man. He does not have uh, the way and look of a person He is God, and he's made himself God. And so therefore, every time you saw him come up against the deities of the world, he always won, not because he physically had representation, but because his power was so auspicious that there was no way that anything could stand in his presence. And so here Dagon is a statue that could be handled and touched and prayed to. And here he, first time he knocks it down, hoping that they would get an understanding that don't you ever put me in a same room is some nonsense you have built and constructed in your head. Don't you ever put me in the same place because I'm not a statue. I am a living being and I can move and breathe and work in ways that cannot be seen by human hands because I am not a God like Dagon. Dagon is just a statue that you worship. But they didn't get it. Now the interesting thing is the second time he cut Dagon's head off and his hands. Now, the, the, it's pretty simple, right? You cut the head off of something, you are cutting off its ability to perceive, think, the brain, the head. You cut the head, the body will. When you cut his hands off, you are showing he has no power. See, when, when, when you hear things like the hand of God, or you hear things like the arm of God, uh, to whom will the arm of the Lord be revealed? Hands and arms are representations of power and ability. So for him to cut his hands off was helping them to know your God has no power. And even though there is no representation or there is no statue of me, and the truth of the matter of in the box wasn't a statue of God neither. In the ark was just representations of his promises and his word. So then as God begins to transcend beyond what you can see, handle, and touch, you begin to realize that his very presence is not uh, dependent upon any type of statue or any type of thing. Now, because statues, remember when when, uh, the children of Israel, they wanted something, so they built the golden calf out of their jewelry because they needed something to worship. They needed something to handle. Uh, Moses comes back and finds them, and he's hot, and he breaks the tablets because he had the real presence. And they're over here looking for something physical and tangible that they could put their hands on in order to uh, have something that they could see and worship 
So the problem is now that as we have uh, somewhat grown obvious of all this type of information, yet we still have believers who believe in things like a rabbit's foot or horseshoes. Well, I got to put on my lucky underwear. And they have little things that they do that they believe bring them luck. So they want to go see someone who can uh, read their palm. And they can go, want to go see someone who can look in a crystal ball. And they want to go and, and, and begin to find out what is my horoscope. And, and they want to do things that will give them information that they are supposed to be seeking the invisible because there is the one who does not operate through the natural means. He operates directly to you. And so now as he deals with you, he cannot be made into any type of, of object. And there's nothing you can put in your pocket, your lucky penny, your lucky quarter, and all these other nonsensical things that people have that they have connected themselves to Sometimes including people. Well, this person, you know, helps me. <laughs> you better be careful what you place in the presence of God. <laughs> because the very thing you worship, God will not share. He says, I am a jealous God. See, here's what people don't understand. There's a huge difference between jealousy and envy. Envy is I see someone, let's say, for, for example, I am single, and I see someone who's married, and I'm like, I wish I had a spouse. And I wish I had a spouse like so-and-so. That's envy. If you are married and you have a spouse, and you see your spouse going to do something with someone else, that's jealousy. One is I have no relationship other than I see they have something and I want it. Jealousy is you have something that belongs to me. And now I'm jealous. Do you <laughs> so then we serve, as the Bible says, a jealous God. He is not envious of you. There is nothing that he cannot make with just one word, one, one blink, one move of his hand. God can do anything and cause anything to be accomplished. He's not envious of you. He has no envy in him. Anything that he can do, he can do it in, in, a, in a twinkle of an eye. He's jealous because you belong to him. And he's wondering why you seek after that which does not include him. He wants to know where do I fit in all of this. And so many people want to blend. They want to find a way to make football and God fit. They want to find a way to make their passions in God fit. Because they're not fanatical about God. They're fanatical about other things. They're hedging their bet with God. This is why he said, when, when Moses said, I, I want to I see, he said, no, you go ahead and get in the corner here and I'll, I'll just let you pass by. I'll pass by and you can see it, the back of me. But nobody has seen all of God. You're unable to see all of God. <laughs> because God cannot be perceived by your natural senses. And if God cannot be perceived by your natural senses then why do so many people struggle with wanting something from God 
that is in some way, shape, or form a son. See, they want to relegate God from his transcendent position, not realizing that he is up there, but he's really not out there because he's in here. I just said a mouthful. See, when you begin to realize I'm branded, I am not scarred. Jesus and John. Uh, Jesus is in Mary's belly. John is in Elizabeth's belly. They come in contact with each other, and they salute each other. They're both pregnant. When they salute each other, the Bible says that John leaped in her belly and became filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, these two women are pregnant. They are carrying babies on the inside of them that are, for all intents and purposes, they're, they're not uh, conscious. They're unconscious. And they're in a belly, and they're separated by two level layers of subcutaneous tissue. An amniotic fluid, completely contained, separate from each other, yet and still, when the two came together, by revelation, he knew that was God. John, years later, is baptizing folks. He's never met Jesus before. Jesus comes over the hill, and he spots him, and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God. He has never seen him. He has only been in a belly, unconscious, yet he has received revelation and knows who he is by his mere presence, not by his sight. John is now in prison. Fast forward. He's now in prison. He writes a letter and says, hey, do me a favor. Take this letter to Jesus and ask him, is he really the one? Unconscious knows he's the one. Doesn't, has never met him, sees him coming over the hill, knows he's the one. He gets into prison, into a rough spot in his life, into a struggle, into a situation, and then begins to say, is that really him? Don't you ever allow your circumstances to begin to talk you out of what you know. Because if you know it, you don't know it by what you see. You know it by faith. Faith is not a visual thing. Faith is internal. I got it on the inside of me. I know that I know that I know. And when you let outside circumstances begin to press you so hard that you begin to forget. We have a God who is not made with human hands. I don't need to see. I don't need no rabbit's foot. I don't need no lucky numbers. I don't need no horseshoes. I don't need any type of horoscope. You're going to let things that are of this world prophesy to you? Or prophesy? The problem is once you took it, it's prophesy. (laughs) Sight is against your faith. 
And you have to be careful that you don't let your mind talk you out of what revelation you were given. Not because you have a statue. But because you have a God that does not deal with you in the realm of your senses. See, people are so central. We've learned to become so uh, 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 sense-oriented. In, in other words, uh, there, there are a few things in this world that when you smell them, you have to have the will of steel. Popcorn, <laughs> coffee, bacon. <laughs> I mean, you really, it really will test your resolve. Why do you think they pop popcorn in between movies? You do know they could do that before you get there. We've become so sense-oriented that we want to touch and we want to see and we want to feel uh, that, you know, the, the, the greatest currency today has now become your attention span. Uh, it, it is the, the, the push and the need for content, content. Uh, and a, a years ago, I remember when YouTube had built a facility that would film content and it would allow you to, to film that content in their facility. It was a multi-million dollar facility. And I remember saying then, they're going for content. It's worth to put millions of dollars into something and then give it away because they need content because people are consuming content mm -hmm. at such a degree it's unreal and so now when you have a message or a sermon that comes and we want to get it down to you know 47 minutes or, or whatever 37 minutes or some people want it no more than 30 minutes and then they go and watch hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of nonsense wow. and craziness that is filling their heads with ideas that are completely anti-God and completely against what you believe but then you come to church on Sunday and you've got the audacity to look at your watch It is amazing to me the level of sensuality people now have. If it does not appeal to their senses, they don't want it. If they can't touch it, taste it, smell it, feel it, they don't want anything to do with it. And yet and still God said, I am a God that comes beyond your senses. I am not dealing with you through your sensuality because your sensuality is tied directly to your flesh. I am a God that deals with you by the Spirit. They that worship Him See, he says, I'm not like anything else you ever had. You can get yourself a little Buddha and rub his little belly until you rub his belly clean off and you are still not dealing with me. You can have a lucky rabbit's foot in your pocket. You are still not dealing with me. You can have all of these things and, and, and set up your little models and, and things and put food on the, on the little plates of gold and put it in front of your statues and all that craziness that people do. You are still not dealing with the God that we know. That is why everyone is so bent out of shape. He said, because I am not a God that was formed with hands. I'm not a God now that dwells in temples anymore. I dwell on the inside of you. And when I relate to you and deal with you, I'm dealing with you in a way that is completely different than anything else. So if you're outside-minded, you will forget the fact that I'm dealing with you from the inside. And so as we live through our lives, 
we do not realize that we go through things. And as we go through things, we become scarred. You ever see, you know, I remember years ago I was dealing, well, I guess it wasn't, maybe about a year ago, I was dealing with a, a shoulder injury. And as I was dealing with that, I would notice that I wouldn't reach quite like I would normally. In other words, if I saw something behind me, I wanted to grab it, I wouldn't go like this because I couldn't. So I would adapt myself to turn around and to grab something and to never reach back like I used to. You're, you see someone who, you know, even uh, an animal that's wounded, they will protect that wound. You go anywhere near it, you won't get your hand gnawed off. People are exactly the same way. They're scarred. And when they become scarred, they become protective over the thing. See, they, they had a husband who did them wrong. And now they vowed, I will never let that happen again. And so now the new husband says, you know what? I'm leaving. And they're like, fine, get your bags to the store. Because anything that resembles, <laughs> I, I, I wish I had somebody kept playing with me. So they, they, they're dealing with things where they may have been in business before and it failed. And they think, I'll never do that again. I'll always work for somebody else because it brings me safety. So I, I just, because I, I can't start over. Okay. What are you talking about? So you, listen, you never start over. You start from experience. Yeah. If it didn't work the first time, you know what not to do. But it's a matter of your perspective because people are so wounded. They, they think, well, I just, I don't want to struggle financially. What are you talking about? You struggled financially before and you made it. <sighs> You've gone through things before and you made it. You know, it's like, it's like one time I was, I was talking to uh, my wife and, and we were talking about how, you know, things change physically on your body when you have babies. And, and so, you know, it just things will change. And I want to be careful because I don't want my words to, to trip us up, but I want you to understand they change. And so as we were talking about it, I was like, why would I be concerned about those changes. Because is, as it becomes different, and as things may have a little more veins or a little more this or whatever the case may be, it is a constant reminder to me of the little bundle of joy that runs through my house and what you have done for our family. So as a man, why would I begin to talk down on or to, now listen, we need to be healthy and we're working to be healthy. And I, and I want my child and my wife and my family, I want us to be healthy. There's no question about that. But I'm not going to degrade the very reminder. Because when I see it, I don't see it as bad. I see it as the, rem, the, the, the reminder 
of my child. The reminder of what we had to do to have this child. And so when you become scarred, people don't understand that you have the ability to interpret what that looks like. I remember I was riding my bike one time and I was coming down a hill and I was coming around the corner and uh, I leaned into the turn a little too much. And, and I mean, I skint it to the white meat. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I skint it down to the white meat. And so <clears throat> I still have that scar today. I had to be, that had to be what, 30, there God, 35 years ago? Easily. But guess what? I don't feel the pain. But see, some of you, you're still feeling the pain of what so-and-so did. So-and-so dead and gone. We still holding on. Well, Pastor, you don't know what they did. I, 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 I don't. You're right. I don't know what they did. But here's what I can tell you. You're either going to be scarred or branded. <laughs> you're either going to be scarred or you're going to be branded. You're going to look at that thing and say, you know what? <laughs> I was coming down that hill pretty quick. I could have died. So thank you, Jesus, I didn't die. And every time I see that mark, it reminds me of the fact that I'm still here. <laughs> so let's go to John 20. Verse 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, uh, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said, Unto them, except I see his hands and the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. After eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, doors being shut, walked through the walls, stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. I don't know about you guys, but if every door shut and somebody comes walking through the walls... You got my undivided attention because all I want to know is do you come in peace? <laughs> then saith he to Thomas, reach hither thy finger, behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand and thrust it into my side and be not. But then Thomas answered him and said, my Lord, my God. <laughs> Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen, thou hast believed. But blessed are those that have not seen and yet believe. Put Isaiah 53, 5 up for a second. <clears throat> Isaiah 53, 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his... <laughs> Look at Luke 24. Verse 36. 
And as they spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are ye troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Notice he's asking them, Why are they afraid? And he ties the afraidness or the fear to the way they're thinking. And then he says, Behold, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself, handle me and see. For a spirit hath not flesh and blood, as you see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. What could have possibly been on his hands and feet? Are we to assume that God was powerful enough to raise Jesus from the dead, but he wasn't powerful enough to close up those wounds? Are we to assume that God has the ability to do anything? Yet he said, you know, Jesus, just bringing you back from the dead is good enough. You're you, you about to get it in just a minute. Galatians six, sixteen. You put that in the NIV, please. Galatians six, sixteen. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the what? One translation says the scars of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. Can I read you a definition real quick? Scar is a mark left on the skin after a wound or injury has healed. Branded means you are marked, and it's a scar to show ownership. (laughs) Oftentimes, people have scars that no one can see. They have scars from a bad relationship and don't realize that you had to be scarred from that relationship so that you would understand how to move forward in the next one. You can look at it one of two ways. You can look at it as if this is how I was hurt before, or you can look at it and say this is how I was set free before. (laughs) I'm so grateful. You know, you you ever ever look back at at an ex and go, dear God, what the heck was I thinking? (laughs) People told you. Trust me. Trust me. They didn't just get snaggletooth. They was that way. <laughs> People tried to tell you. But you look back and you go, oh, dear God, what in the world was I thinking? This really what? Yeah, yeah, that was. That was. But thank God. 
You don't understand what they did to me, Pastor. You don't understand. I mean, they hurt me bad. I was, I was young. I was defenseless. I couldn't do a thing. And they hurt me. And they did things to me I, that no person, I understand that no person should ever do those things. But you made it through. <laughs> and it could not have been but by. He said, see, I wear these marks on my body. The same way Jesus does. That I've gone through certain levels of affliction the same way Jesus did. And the reason why the scars have to still be there. Because they're not a a reminder of what you messed up with and what you went through. They are a reminder forevermore that the moment you begin to forget the one who delivered you. You have something inside of you that says, wait a minute. I don't walk by sight. I walk by faith. Because if he did it before, he's going to do it again and it's a constant reminder that the God I serve will set me free the God I serve will deliver me the God I serve will bless me the God I serve because as we begin to see these things we begin to understand see the angel touched Jacob in his hip and gave him a limp So now Jacob's walking around with a limp. But he said, here's the problem, Jacob. Your name, Jacob, means trickster. So I know what you did. You tricked your brother and you took the birthright. I know all the stuff you did. I'm crystal clear on what you did. But my problem is you are wrestling with me all night long. And in order for me to break free from this, I'm going to have to hurt you. Now, I could kill you. Let me talk to some people over here. He's wrestling with an angel. The angel could kill him. And the angel's like, I don't want to kill you. But you won't let me go. So I'm going to touch you in your hip. To get you to slow down. Because the faith says you will. He says, I need you to bless me. The faith says you will. Commitment said, I'm not letting you go until you do. I'm going to wrestle with you all night long if I have to. Because I will not be denied. I will not be refused. And if I got to walk with a limp, then I'll walk with a limp. But everybody will know when they see this limp that I wrestled with God and I came out on top. And it, and it wasn't it, it wasn't to say that the limp would slow him down because he did everything. See, some of you, you've allowed the limp to hurt you. You've allowed the limp to slow you down. You've allowed the limp to take away from you. God didn't give it to you and let you go through something and bring you out of it for you to shut down. He didn't bring you through those things, get you out of that relationship, get you away from that situation. He didn't do that for you to keep walking with a limp and slowly. You'd be the fastest running, limpingest person. People be wondering, how did you get there? But God... God said, I know what you did, but I'm changing your name. I can't have you associated. I can't have you connected. I can't have every time you hear somebody say your name, you're hearing trickster. So I'm going to change your name. 
to Israel. And now people will know you are the one who wrestled with man and you won. You are the one who wrestled with God and you won. You are... God, I wish I had somebody that understands what I'm trying to tell you. He said, you are the one that will no longer be known for the struggles in the past. He said, but from this moment forward, you shall be called Israel. He said, in this moment, I, I, I realize you won't let me go. And because you won't let me go. See, he sent all he knew. He sent his wives and his servants and all his possessions ahead of himself and stayed back by himself. Why do you think he did that? He knew. He's like, this is my moment. This is my opportunity. And all of that is to position him in a place to understand I'm not going to be scarred. I'm going to be branded. Because this that I... This that I have gone through, the situation I struggled through, the battle I had to fight wasn't a scar. It's a brand that shows who I belong to. The fact that I'm still standing here today tells you that my God is well able. The fact that I'm still alive today. It ain't a scar. I'm branded, baby. I'm branded by the best. It shows my ownership. It, it shows my pedigree. It shows who I belong to. It demonstrates the one who can keep me. It demonstrated the one who can protect me. It demonstrates the one who can save me. Yeah, it hurts. And it went through it. But you bet your bottom dollar I'm on the other side. And when I'm on the other side, I look at it. All it does is reminds me how faithful my God is. See, because some of you, 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 you're not branded. Some of you just ain't branded. Because you just ain't been through nothing. <laughs> some of you, though, you done been through some mess. <laughs> Stuff not, and I, you know, I, I say this all the time because I mean it. Because, you know, people got your testimony, right? Your public testimony. It's the one you tell everybody. If you ask you, oh, what did God do for you? Oh, it's how he saved me. Girl, you just don't know what I was struggling with. You're right. <laughs> and they still don't know. <laughs> because there's some things you ain't willing to tell nobody about. But yet and still, God brought you through. Yet and still, he delivered you. Yet and still. See, because listen, the limp wasn't to cripple him. The limp was to remind him of who you dealing. <laughs> the limp wasn't to cripple him. He's like, I got to slow you down right now so I can get away from you. Because <laughs> you obviously want me so bad you would trick your brother. Your brother didn't want me. <laughs> he said, you want it so bad, you over here, you done, sent, you done got prepared. You over here like, listen, baby, um, go ahead and take our stuff. I'll catch up. Okay. All right, baby. He over here like. 
He's like, you have wrestled with me to such a degree that I have to give you this limp. I go, just to get you to. <laughs> and, and yes, I'm going to bless you. <laughs> See, people don't understand. Look at Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. Good Lord. Kinds of stuff jumping off over here. <laughs> Daniel chapter 3. You ready? Verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold, whose height was three score cubits, and a breadth thereof six cubits, and set it up in the plain of Dura, in the province of Babylon. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, sent to gather together the princes, the governors, and the captains, and the judges, and treasurers, and councils, and sheriffs, and all the rules of the provinces came to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And he, let's skip to verse 4. Then a herald cried aloud, To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at the time ye hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, Ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Let's, verse, let's, let's skip to verse 13. Verse 12. There are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do you not serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if ye be ready, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast in the same hour into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Who is that God? that shall deliver you out of my hands. Now, <clears throat> Shadrach, Meshach, and one bad Negro really went through some stuff, okay? Now, I want you to understand something, because I, I need to give you some history before you can understand exactly all that's transpiring right now. Not only are they the best and the brightest, because Nebuchadnezzar had went around conquering, and he had pretty much conquered what they knew as the known world at the time. And here he is, pulling from different regions the best and the brightest and the sharpest people to serve him. And he has not only taken away all of their treasures of antiquity, all of their history, all of the things that meant something to them, but he made eunuchs out of them. Now, if you don't know what making a eunuch out of a man is, it is to castrate a man. Now listen, 
you can take my money. I can always get more. You can steal national treasures. Good on you. And some of y'all act like y'all been through something. And here they stand before the king. And he says, I have built an image of God. And when you hear the music playing, you bow down. You worship that God. And it is amazing to me because their response, because he says, who is it? Who is this God that will deliver you out of my hands? In other words, you don't realize that I'm God. So if I'm God and I tell you to worship this, who do you think is going to deliver you out of my hands? Now, this dude had conquered the known world, I believe, by the time he was 25. Ain't nothing worse than a young person with too much power. And so here he's standing there talking to them, and they now respond to what he's saying. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said unto the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we're not careful to answer this one. (coughs) In other words, we ain't even going to think about how to answer this. Because, you know, some people ask you a question, you're like, "Mm, how do I say this? Because I'm dealing with the king. He said, we're not careful to answer this. There's no careful answer here. There's nothing to be considered here. You have built a graven image of a God that we don't serve. (laughs) Verse 17. If it be so, if what be so? Because I want want you to really, let's, let's, let's just for a second, stay with me. I want to dissect this because a lot of people think that they misinterpret this. So I'm going to tell you how this goes. If it be so, if what be so? Thrown in the fire. If you throw me in the fire, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, (coughs) that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Most people, go back, (coughs) think when he says, but if not, they think that applies to if God doesn't save me. But here's, here's the problem. How could they still not serve if they're dead? He's not talking about that. Go back. Verse 18 or 17. If it be so, if what be so? You throw us in the fire. If you throw us in the fire, then our God will save us, right? Verse 18. But if you don't throw us in the fire. Be it known to you that your idle threat 
still will not cause me to bow down to a God you worship. Because I serve a God that can deliver me. I serve a God that can set me free. I serve a God that can bring me through the whole situation. So my faith, it can't be faith if he said if you do and if you don't. But a lot of you approach God that way. If you do God, then cool. If you don't, I'm cool with that too. That's what he says. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury. And the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and one bad Negro. Therefore, he spake and commanded. I can get away with that. Therefore, he spake. Don't you try it. And commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it wont to be heated. He commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them in to the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, their hats, and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished, rose up in haste and spake, and said unto his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered the son of the king, Yes, true, O king. He said, and do me a favor. (coughs) Somebody explain to me (coughs) why if we threw three in there, why is there four in there? Liken the fourth, the form of the fourth as the son of God. Or in other words, the image of God in the furnace. He said they were in there. They was having a party. They was hanging out. Everything is working like it's supposed to. He's like, what in the world is going on? Why? Because I don't need rabbit's foot. I don't need horseshoes. I don't need images. All I need to have is the invisible God who will show himself strong. And I can go through the fire and not even smell like smoke. Smoke is a very pervasive thing. If you've ever been around someone who smokes, you've ever been in a room with somebody who smokes, been in a car with somebody who smokes, I don't even do that. I, you, you smoke, we, we just we can't hang out. I'm not mad at you. You do what you want to do. It's your life. But you're not going to have me smelling like... They in the fire. Not next to the fire. The people who got close to the fire, throw them in, died. Which really makes me wonder how to get in there if the people who threw them in there died. Not quite, not quite sure. They must be like. But it says that they didn't even smell like smoke. See, you got to begin to understand. It doesn't matter the things you've been through. 
The, 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 the scars are the reminders that if he did it then, I'm sorry for the things that we've all had to struggle with. But that doesn't change that I don't even have to smell like smoke. <laughs> doesn't even change the fact that I don't have, look, keep going, keep going. I, I, maybe you need to see it for yourself. Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fire furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants, now you better recognize of the Most High God come forth and hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. And the princes and governors and captains and king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was the hair on their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor had the smell of fire passed upon them. See, I'm not scarred, I'm branded. See, if I'm scarred, I smell like smoke. If I'm scarred, I still have the remnants of everything I had to go through. And some people carry it like a badge. They carry it like a badge. You don't know what I've been through. Talk to me. If you ever knew what I've been through, I suffered through this and I suffered through that. I ain't going to let no man ever do that to me again. I ain't going to let no woman ever do that to me again. I, I, you, don't, you, don't know, you don't know who you're dealing with. You don't know who you're dealing with. Because he came through the whole situation and didn't even smell like smoke. Hair wasn't even singed. Clothes still... He said over the people who fire had no power over them. <laughs> he said fire had no power over them. See, I, 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 I want you to understand, dear God, some horrendous things have happened to people. You live long enough, boy, you hear some stuff and you're like, oh my God, what, what world was that in? But the reality is, devil, I'm still standing. <laughs> I, I might have a limp, <laughs> but devil, I'm still standing. <clears throat> this might have been ugly, but devil, I'm still standing. You tried your best when I was young, but I'm still standing. You tried it, but it didn't work. I'm still standing. And, and guess what? I don't even smell like... Not a, not a hair on my head has been singed. None of my clothes have been affected. Nothing. Because you ain't got no power over me. Some people are still renting space in your head right now that you need to evict. Because we can't go forward scarred. But I can go forward branded, baby. So when you see it, that's not a scar. No, that's a brand. Well, what's a brand, what's a brand of, God? It shows I've been marked by God. That's why I said I bear about in my body the scars of Jesus. I bear about, listen, because he was trying to get people to understand, I done been through some stuff too. See, because when you make a decision for God, you're going to go through some things. When you make a decision that I'm going to serve God, stuff is going to happen. People are going to talk bad. Listen, if ain't nobody talking bad about you, you are not that gifted. Haters are the breakfast 
Oh, you already know. <laughs> See, this is why we understand. Listen, I ain't scarred, baby. I'm branded. All that is is just a representation of who I belong to. It's a constant reminder when I look at it and say, God did that. <clears throat> he did that thing. Trust me. It, it, it might have been ugly on this side of it, but he brought me through it today, and I'm the person I am today. And I can love harder because I know what these things are. I can teach better because I've been. There's nothing like authenticity. It's one thing for somebody to tell you some stuff they heard. You can always tell. When somebody be like, oh, yeah, you know, this is what you probably should do. I, I heard that works. No, baby. Mm-mm, mm-mm. No, you, there's nothing you can't. T- I, look, child, I done been through it. I done took them hits. I got the T-shirt, came out the other end of it. Don't act like I don't know because I know. I know. But guess what? My God is greater. It might have been hard, but my God is greater. It could have been a struggle, but my God was greater. I could have been dead by now, but I'm still here. My God is greater. See, people don't understand how to look back and see. They translate it the wrong way. You don't understand my struggle. You don't understand your victory. And when Satan comes around trying to tell you and remind you about your past, all you got to do is remind him of his future. Hey, listen, I know that's what it was, and that's what it was. I was stupid. I was young. I was dumb. I didn't know any better. What's your excuse? Because you're going to go, and you're going to smell like smoke, and you ain't going to make it. (laughs) See, it's in our perspective. It's in our understanding. This is why Jesus said, touch me. Because to them, they didn't start crying. The Bible says they had joy. They didn't cry because he died. They had joy because he lived. (laughs) That's why they said, by his stripes. By his scars. No, it's not by his scars you look at him and go, oh, poor publicito. You know what Jesus went through? Oh, my God. What are we going to do? No, when you see the scars, he said, let me show you my hands. Let me show you my feet so that you would see the scars and know that I came to do exactly what I told you I would do. And so when you see the scars... It's not about the pain. It's about the celebration. It's not about the marks. It's about the fact that I came out the other side and now I'm still here reigning and ruling with God at His right hand to set you free so that you might reign. When you see the scars, it's a celebration. When you see the scars, it's time for us to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know nobody can see this one because I've been hiding this one. <laughs> I've been sitting here in my church clothes. <laughs> nobody can see this scar but me. But when I look at it now, I'm like, whew, thank you, Jesus. Because I, I could have been gone. Whew, Lord, that was a close call. It could have been over. But you brought me a mighty long way. 
And you are the God who not only delivered, but the Bible says you doeth deliver. You're not only the one who got me out, but you're going to keep me going. I'm going to trust in you. I'm not moved. I'm not going to back up on my confession. I don't care whether I see or don't see. I don't care whether I understand or don't understand. I'm going to stay with it because you called me. You have predestinated me. You have chosen me. You have adopted me. I am yours. You are mine. And now there is nothing that will separate me from your hand. So guess what? Come what may. Because I don't walk by sight. I walk by faith in the one who loved me and gave himself for me. And when I believe him and only him, then I move by a faith and inward assurance. I might not see it. It don't matter. I don't need graven images. All I need is the God who communicates to me in a way that is revelational. He communicates with the very inside of me. He knows the inside of me. He's greater than all this stuff. And when we trust him, when we trust him when we trust him they said listen king you can heat that furnace as hot as you'd like to make it ain't scared (laughs) and if you don't just this is just an idle threat still know that you can't promise me I'll live to get me to do it either because, <laughs> because I'm not going to do it, period. Isn't that something? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. So grateful. We're so grateful that we are truly not scarred. We are branded by you. Everything we've ever gone through is a sign that we went through. <laughs> you brought us through. We couldn't have done it ourselves. It wasn't even possible. It was a struggle on one side of it, and you came and said, I'll take you through. There have been times where you helped me carry the load. There's been times where you picked it up and carried me. But either way, we got to the other side. There are those that are in the midst of it right now. And I'm trying to get you to understand. You'll come out of this. You won't even smell like smoke. Not a hair on your head. (coughs) Not a hair on your head. Your clothes will still be intact. Your life will still be intact. This ain't but nothing but a light affliction. Because when God's on the scene... So we thank you for all that you're doing in our midst. We thank you for light. We thank you for the revelation we've received. We thank you that it doesn't come by sight. It doesn't come by senses. But it comes by revelation. We will not allow our circumstances to steal our revelation. We will not allow things we see to take what we know. We thank you, Lord, that we've been marked out by you. We thank you, Lord, that you have chose us to be your possession we give you all the praise all the glory and all the honor in Jesus name and everybody said amen